Thus, the Batman and the city he has fought, bled, and almost died for enter together into their ultimate adventure, into a struggle where right and wrong wear an equal face, where an entire society's very soul and survival are the stakes supreme. Come now with the Cape Crusader and the Teen Titans into the shocker of them all, Rebels in the Streets. Welcome back to another episode of The Brave and the Bob. And I have a guest with me today who has just recently gotten back into the swing of things with his own podcast. And we will talk about that in just a bit. But uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for coming on and welcome to Ranger Gord from Prairie Justice Podcast. How are you, man? Well, howdy, Billy. How's things out there down there in uh, Yankee land out there in Pittsburgh? Well, everything is good up here. You know, we haven't gotten any cold weather yet, which is nice. It's been pretty mild, so uh, not ready for winter, though. Well, that's okay. We've already had three storms here. <laughs> oh, God. This is Canada. But this is Canada. Yeah, wow. Well, God bless you, man. I, I, I couldn't take it if I would have had three storms already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're so, Canadians. We embrace it. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's that snow is nothing to you guys. It's like a, a, a drizzle down here. <laughs> we do get breaks from time to time over here in the Rockies, though. Every now and then a warm wind passes through and uh, tends to bring what we call the Chinook which I believe you call the Zephyr winds down there in the States. And mm. it tends to eat, eat things up and raise the temperatures very high, sometimes overnight. So uh, if you don't like the uh, weather here in Pincher Creek, you just take a nap. There'll be something else in an hour. Something will happen quick enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you are on here to talk with me about an issue of the brave and the bold. And this is specifically issue number 94. And this was a uh, cover dated February, March, 1971. And this is a striking cover by Mr. Nick Cardi, to say the least. So why don't you talk yeah. about this cover here? Well, this cover is, uh, I'll talk about the cover first, and then I'll talk about my history with the book here. Mm -hmm. uh, the cover, Nick Cardi, and uh, I'm more used to the apparel era of, uh, of the Brave and the Bold. So we're a little bit earlier than that. I believe apparel was probably working on Aquaman about this time point mm -hmm. in time. But uh, it's very, very striking. Uh, Brave and Bold covers always were. And it's uh, very topical for the times here. And we're here in, uh, I know you said March 1971, but the, uh, the book was you know, effectively created in late 1970. And uh, mm -hmm. we can probably talk about the times where there is uh, that we have. So we have basically Batman and Robin pulled from the, pulled from the, the headlines here. You know, we're a few months after... The tragedy of Kent State and Robin and Kid Flash. Interestingly, though, uh, spoilers, Robin doesn't really appear in costume in the, in the <laughs> story. But uh, Robin and Kid Flash are lining up uh, some, um, uh, shall we say, adults into a barbed wire camp. And there's no mistaking what this says over here. Concentration camp for adults only. And Batman is already... Got a hangdog look on his face because he's hanging on the barbed wire. And amongst the adults going in there is our pipe-smoking Commissioner James Gordon. <laughs> so so uh, Robin is defi definitely uh, putting Gotham to the boots here. Or yeah, and to, the, to the wingtip shoes, shall I say. 
Yeah, and Robin is exclaiming, every grown-up will suffer, Batman, because you lied to us. <laughs> but yeah, this is pretty good, man. This is a really good one. Like, I I've read a few Brave and the Bolds lately by Bob Haney, and you know he, he does write some really wacky, wild, crazy stuff. But a couple of them I've read and talked about recently were very topical, and I thought, you know, he did a pretty good job with them, you know, and that wasn't something before I really started diving into Brave and the Bold and Haney and doing the show that I would have thought about and I knew about with Haney. Well, I'm, I'm glad you agree on that because um, this is definitely not a Zany Haney production. Um, Bob was definitely reading the papers and was probably was very concerned with things, uh, how things were going on about downtime. Of course, the Vietnam War was raging, you know, with the United States uh, occupation of, uh, of Vietnam and all of that. And I know on our side of the border, that was very much of concern in, here in Canada because there was uh, all sorts of what you would have called draft dodgers you know, coming out of the United States and making lives here in Canada that opposed the war. So we definitely knew that was going on. And uh, we have, this is a December 1970 release. And here in Canada, we had our own sort of a generational thing going on in the province of Quebec just a couple of months before that called the October Crisis, in which a uh, self-styled terrorist or separatist group uh, in the province kidnapped uh, two government officials, including a minister of labor for the province of Quebec and a British trade commissioner. And they killed the uh, the Minister of Labor and the, the War Measures Act came out because of that. And that's basically if nobody knows what that is, that is effectively martial law. Uh, that was replaced in time by the Emergency Measures Act. Uh, the original War Measures Act 1970 was instituted by Pierre Elliott Trudeau and the Emergency Measures Act this year in February. Uh, was enacted for a few days by his son, Justin, in response to some riots that were going on on Parliament Hill in Ottawa and, uh, and, and some border blockades across the Canadian United States border. So, you know, the more things change, the more they, they stay the same. So some of these things come around. But this is definitely the time of the youth movement and mm -hmm. such. And uh, we'll hear a lot about the generational gap in this story. Mm -hmm. Um. This is a great time for the Teen Titans, too, even though I don't think it was selling well. The Teen Titans was sort of doing the, uh, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow kind of a thing and trying to be relevant in their own book. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember both of these books very well. In fact, I would pick up Teen Titans whenever I saw it. And I believe it is this logo and their presence in this book why I bought this uh, particular issue in 1970 as a seven-year-old <laughs> <laughs> using the change my dad gave me to run into the store and get a newspaper. And uh, I guess I had 15 cents left over and I came out with this comic. And, you know, I think, you know, from even as a callow seven-year-old, I knew what was happening in the papers and on the TV at night. And it, it reminded me of, of the sort of thing that was going on. And as I read it now, of course, it's all parallels, but it's very close parallels. As I mm -hmm. said, Kent State and the October crisis in Quebec and such. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, I just, I, before I started diving into this, I never thought of Haney as being that kind of writer. But like I said, I, there's been a few lately that I've read and I thought, you know, 
there might be some uh, things here or there that are a little exaggerated or something like that. But when I read these comics, like front to back, and you really think about it and look into what was going on at the times, it, it really was, you know, relevant stuff. And it was, you know, for a comic book, a pretty good job of trying to get a, po uh, a point across that, you know, was going on in real life. So I thought that was pretty cool. One thing I will defend Haney on, um, and we all know about his continuity glitches and such, but mm -hmm. Haiti doesn't seem to like supervillains very much. No. When you mm -hmm. start to go through Brave and the Bold, the villains are often terrorists, mafiosos, drug lords, mm -hmm. warlords, people that were kind of neo-Nazis, people that, that Haney is kind of pulling out of the uh, out of the air and out I shouldn't say out of the air out of the news and out of I shouldn't use the word reality when I talk about Haney but uh, <laughs> this is what he's doing I mean you're not gonna see you know Lex Luthor very much you'll occasionally see Joker that sort of a thing mm -hmm. um, but you're not gonna see a ton of uh, colorfully clad uh, super villains clashing in inside the Brave and the Bold when Bob Haney and Apparel were Apparel's predecessors like Cardi are running the book. No, yeah, no, it was a lot of like, you know, like you said, mob people and, you know, uh, evil corporate types, you know, but you know, like you said, not the Lex Luthor, but just, you know, people that were you know, pulling shenanigans and just doing awful stuff behind the scenes. And like you said, it's uh, kind of interesting to read it in 2022 here. Uh, and it's these just... are comics that are 50 years old that are things are so relevant today. It's the sort of stuff our heroes are doing when they're not 22,300 miles above the earth. Mm -hmm. yep. Especially when you get into the Green Arrow team-ups. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, but yeah, this is this is a really good one. Like I said, I think you said this came out late 1970 as well. So a lot of relevance here, but the cover, it, it's a very striking cover. And I think Nick Cardi, that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to... I wouldn't say shock people, but get them to really, really notice this cover uh, because, you know, they don't have something like that exactly happen in the issue. But there is sort of a similar situation, and we'll we'll get into that as we uh, uh, get through this one, right? This is sort of the post-Weisinger era. The Silver mm -hmm. Age is definitely gone by this point in time. Now, <laughs> other uh, writers later on in the mid-70s, what I think would try to bring it back kicking and screaming, especially Bob Rosakis when he revived Teen Titans mm -hmm. in the late 70s. But uh, at this point in time, like I said, they're all kind of following the Green Lantern, Green Arrow mode. And if you start going to Mike's Amazing Worlds and look at these covers from about 69 to 72... There's some very interesting things going on, even in, for God's sakes, of all things, Lois Lane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you know, there. I think, too. Some of them are handed and don't work very well and don't age very well. But, you know, they were trying. Yeah, they tried. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I'll always give them credit for that. You know what I mean? Marvel, you know, uh, mid to late 60s did it and DC, too, with just I, you got to give them credit for at least trying. I think they were trying to grow it up a little bit. Mm -hmm, for sure yeah they were looking for you know not just 10 year olds to be buying their books and that's the way to do it you know put topical things in there and make them a little more i guess mature is the word you might want to use but yeah definitely a little more uh, involved with their story plots and things like that but there's still a few heaney easter eggs that i've kind oh. of uh, flagged here and there that i don't know you may not may have noticed or maybe you'll see some that i haven't <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I either he couldn't help himself putting things in there or it was just his style. You know what I mean? There's even in his most serious stories, there's still always a couple of things that made you scratch your head, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's okay. That's that's why I love him. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, like you said, uh, this one's uh, called Rebels in the Streets and it's uh, like we said, script by Bob Haney and the pencils and inks on the interior is Nick Hardy and letters by Ben Oda. So all right, well, just on the Grand Comics database here, it just says uh, a quick little synopsis. It says, when teenagers blockade themselves into the ghetto and threaten to set off an atomic bomb in the middle of Gotham City, Batman is forced to call the Teen Titans for help. And that's, you know, kind of what happens here, but uh, you and I are going to get a little more in-depth than that. <laughs> right? So this yep. one, yeah, this one starts out with, uh, we already, it, it's, Cardi, it's kind of already like a, we're operating on the assumption that some, you know, a lot of this stuff has already started, you know, first page of the comic here. We're already uh, in, in some action here, right. With uh, Batman and commissioner Gordon and uh, an army general here, I think uh, talking to uh, uh, Batman and where they're talking about the situation they have here. And they got a, uh, I wouldn't say a ransom letter, but a letter that says, you know, there's a bunch of kids that are uh, not happy about things and they, uh, they're going to do something if, uh, you know, the mayor and commissioner of Batman don't do something about it, right? It's a very brief manifesto. Mm -hmm. And I like uh, what I like, like about it, and you, I hope you saw this too, not saying the fuzz. Mm, now, I love it. <laughs> Heaney, gets a, Heaney gets a lot of grief for trying to be hip and and sometimes. But I have to tell you, I was growing up at this point in time uh, I had siblings that were teenagers. I was only about six, seven years old at that point. But uh, still, I paid a lot of attention. And uh, I always had police around us. You know, the, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police up here, that was our police. And people actually did call police the fuzz. It's true. And I can't remember exactly when that it would have ended. Probably around, I don't know, 72, 73 uh, there was also other names that were used, uh, like the name of a certain barnyard animal that I won't use on the podcast. Uh, but the fuzz, I remember that a lot of the time. Everybody always said, and you saw the Mountie driving down the street, oh, it's the fuzz coming, you know, or mm -hmm. uh, somebody called the fuzz, someone <laughs> stole a bike, you know, or there, there's some cattle rustlers out, we got to call the fuzz. And uh, that <laughs> actually was a thing. Mm -hmm. Now, I hadn't thought of that in years until, you know, you contacted me recently to open this book up. And I had to look today and see where that came from. And apparently it goes back to sometime in the 30s. Wow. And, uh, apparently it's a, a corruption of the word the force, as in police force. Mm. So somebody somewhere probably said, here comes the force. And, and that got corrupted to fuzz. And, you know, nobody knows where it came from and nobody knows where it went. But uh, <laughs> um, it's just funny. I was in Tim Hortons today talking about Canadian moment. And in walks a friend of mine that is a Mountie. And uh, we talked about, we talked a little bit about uniforms and things like that. But uh, I never thought in the instance of calling him the fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember everybody used to say that when I was a kid. And it was on television all the time because I used to watch a ton of television. And. It was always like the fuzz, the fuzz, fuzz. And I will say, I never got the impression it was a super derogatory term 
um, even not thought so by the police themselves, other than, you know, other adjectives, like you said. <laughs> to me, the fuzz was just like if a cop heard somebody say, hey, here comes the fuzz, they weren't going to get real upset about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you but, use the, the barnyard animal word, then you, well, you, you know better get your head ready (laughs) yeah yeah they're gonna get pissed but yeah i love the letter it says we the undersigned declare gotham city to be under revolutionary siege if our demands are not met we shall destroy gotham entirely with an atomic bomb we are not joking deal with us or die do not send the fuzz and then it's signed stop s-t-o-p-p and then in parentheses says society to outlaw parent power (laughs) And apparently, that's an acronym. Stop a (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to hear a lot about stop a in this uh, story. Mm -hmm. And Batman hops over the the police barricade, and he says, you know, uh, keep your fingers crossed, gentlemen, because he tells uh, Commissioner Gordon and this uh, army uh, guy that uh, he's going to go talk to these kids. And he goes barreling down the street, and he gets down out of sight, I guess, and then he gets uh, accosted by one of these uh, stop people because he has an armband on that says s-t-o-p-p and pulls a knife on him and batman makes quick work to him (laughs) yeah good luck sir you're gonna throw that knife against the batman Mm. but we are gonna see a very different batman aren't we we are and this is interesting so he you know basically like knocks the knife out of the guy's hand and like judo throws him and then says to him you know hey listen don't pull a knife on me like i'm coming with you to talk and you know hear your gripes and they blindfold the Batman <laughs> and they walk him through a busted up neighborhood here and down into like some underground uh, 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 kind of like base of operations. Right. We are going to see Batman, the negotiator. Mm-hmm. Has anybody in the modern era ever put Batman, the negotiator, those words together? <laughs> yeah, he's going to be very passive and a lot less aggressive in this issue. Right. And you notice his ears are short. So <laughs> they're very sure. Yeah, Nick yeah. Nick Cardi draws short-eared Batman. So yeah, this is gonna be a short-eared Batman that's a lot more conciliatory than anything you're ever gonna see in any other movie. <laughs> yeah, he's not, you know, Mr. Running around punching people in the face, Batman and Dark Knight Batman in this for sure. So <laughs> I could almost see this as Adam West had he been continued to had mm-hmm. he been allowed to go another two, three years with the show. And allowed to grow the character. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Pull a knife on a man who comes to talk, son. Now I'm ready to go with you. (laughs) He didn't say punk. He says son. This guy that just tried to knife him is son. Yeah. And the guy looks like he's probably 30. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's one of the kids in stop. Okay. (laughs) That's great. But yeah, he takes Batman down to this underground room where. We see uh, a couple of the, the big wigs that are a part of this uh, this gang here, uh, Chino and Linda. And what's the other guy's name? Uh, oh, heck. Um, Dipper. <laughs> Dipper, yes. We've got a multicultural group of terrorists here, by the way. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. Chino is obviously uh, Latin America, Latinx, I guess is the proper word, as you say, and Fernando. And uh, and we've got Dipper. I wonder if that's supposed to be Flippa Dippa from Jack Kirby, but maybe. <laughs> and uh, of course, we got the the woman. You know, we got the girl. We have must have the girl. Mm-hmm. And there will be much more about the girl. And uh, there's there's uh, you know, black kids with the afros and such. 
Mm-hmm. Because this is the age of the Afro in the black exploitation uh, era. Mm-hmm. So we're yeah. going to see how many movies that Bob Haney watches. <laughs> yeah, and these kids, I'll tell you what, it, it's, you know, how it started out with the note and obviously uh, their threats, you know, that right away would definitely turn off and anger uh, the mayor types and the Commissioner Gordon types and army national guard types and stuff like that but when they talk to batman here they're not being uh out of turn with their you know demands here they're not you know demanding anything that shouldn't be going on right batman has been kidnapped by the angry sect of those kids from billy jack (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah it's funny though Uh, what i like how the one guy points at batman and says man dig this cat like all adults, he thinks we're just flaky kids. You don't take us seriously. <laughs> As I was trying to say, this is a different kind of villain than we're ever going to know in a modern comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And they, they kind of like lay into Batman a little bit. But uh, one of the main guys here kind of says like, hey, chill out. You know, we here's what we're we've had a problem with. And he's like, we've had it with this crummy ghetto. Poverty, injustice, pushers, and phony adults' values that twist kids' lives. And I got to say, I I, kind of like where this guy's coming from. As the guy in Blazing Saddles said, now who could argue with that? (laughs) Right? Yeah, I'm just thinking, that's pretty neat. And Batman tries to, you know, talk them down, and he goes, it is an imperfect world, but... And the one guy, imperfect, what a chicken establishment word. (laughs) Now, people sometimes get... uh, There's not a spare word here. There's not a wasted word. Uh, people talk about some writers of the 70s that get very wordy. Uh, this mm-hmm. is dialogue, folks. And these kids are angry. They've thought about why they're doing this. You know, they, they're they not just throwing stuff around. Let's face it. They've, they're talking atomic bombs here. And, you know, this is the, this is the, this is the nuclear children. This is the baby boomers that have grew up post Hiroshima that, uh, you know, they don't see the atomic bomb as, what should we say? Atomic bomb is not unusual to them, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it's all about us, let's face it. Yeah, and one of the, they, they hand uh, Batman their list of demands, and the guy says, we're determined to change things the only way we can, since the adults never will. We do have the bomb built by a member of Stop. And then another guy says, the genius built it. That's dropouts a bigger skull than half your straight world scientists and that'll come into play earlier and the first time i read this story i that didn't stick with me that panel there but it it does come into some great importance later here there is a slight check off thing going check off gun thing going here it's mm-hmm. the genius the sheer <laughs> adulterated genius <laughs> and i do love how after they give them the demands um they basically tell them you know if our demands aren't met by midnight tomorrow, the bomb goes off. And they say, okay, take him out. And then they walk him out with the demands. And he's, uh, I, I love that panel of him. Uh, I think it's on page four of him uh, being blindfolded again and being let out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's letting them do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, he and we should also talk about, this is the old, the, the yellow oval Batman. Yes. This is past the new look. And th- this is the oval that you see, of course, in the Adam West series. But through the entire run, I believe, right up until the end of Brave and the Bold, he's right up until Crisis, he's going to wear this oval. And you never see the oval anymore. 
No, uh-uh, not at all. No, it's always the newer one. It, it was basically the one distinguishment you had between Earth One and Earth Two Batmans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, they lead him out, and he comes out and gives the demands to. Uh, I think it's Commissioner Gordon, uh, the general, or no? Yeah, the army general is still there too. And there's uh, another guy, some kind of uh, is he a, some kind of a scientist guy or something like that? Because he looks at their nuclear bomb plans. Because they actually sent plans of the bomb they made with Batman to be like, see, we're not screwing around here. Well, you know he's an expert because he has great temples. But uh, oh yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly, Doctor Richards. But mm-hmm. yeah, did you did you catch their names, sir? First, let's go back to General Graves, which who I think we got in the first panel. I didn't say anything at that time. But he's mm-hmm. wearing the, the General Patton helmet. And, of course, what's in the theaters, 1970, Patton. Mm-hmm. But uh, the General <laughs> Graves, let's let's put a pin in that for half a second. And now let's go to the doctor. What's the doctor's name, Billy? Uh, Dr. Landau. <laughs> Graves oh. and Landau. Mm-hmm. Every okay, time I Peter Graves, Martin Marshall, Landau, Mission Impossible, and Martin Landau. <laughs> That's fantastic. I don't I know if it. you caught that. Well, the Landau thing made me think of it for sure, but the Graves right out of the gate did not. But Landau did that. Did that stuck right out to me like a sore thumb because that's that's the, the more of an unusual name. So you can tell, kind of Bob is writing this in between trips to the cinema and maybe over <laughs> TV dinner. <laughs> watching yeah, mission, you, watching MI episodes. Uh huh. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but like you said, uh, Reed Richards here, uh, he checks out the plans and says, "Yeah, their their bomb is legit. Whoever whoever made up these plans knows what they're doing." So they're like, "Oh, great! You know, they actually have a bomb." And uh, Commissioner Gordon here is getting all worked up over it. And he said, "The president must send troops so we can find that bomb." And Batman says, "No." They don't trust us now. Throw force against them, and they might explode that bomb ahead of time. I'll speak to the president. You realize Batman had a direct uh, connection to the president, but he does. Well, of course he would. Oh, God. How much so do he, you think? How, how many of you? How many presidents do you think Bruce Wayne got elected? I, I mean, I can't imagine that. Like ring, ring. <laughs> Hello, I'm not a crook. So, I like what Dr. Dick. Landau says here about nuclear materials can be bought. Well, I'm going to go back to that because plans are available in books. And uh, we're going to go to the Internet right now and, and look for plans on how to build an atomic bomb. Can I tag you on that, Billy? Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All you need is an old bomb casing. And, you know, he's right on that. It's mm-hmm. very easy to get, you know, World War II ordnance. I hate to mm-hmm. say it, I have two in my garage, but uh, dynamite for a trigger uh, at that point in time, all you have to do is, you know, let's face it, these kids are breaking the law. They're not scared of breaking into a construction site. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe they're breaking into that real estate site that Vigilante was in in the what, my last, <laughs> Our last recording. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> and a bright high school science major to put it together. Now, the only thing I disagree with here is nuclear materials can be bought okay mm-hmm. we'll talk you know he's right about the dynamite for the trigger now you could probably nuclear materials can be bought um where where do you go out and buy some u-235 or some plutonium you know in eastern washington they had to put up the grand coulee dam in order to upgrade uranium to plutonium so where do you go out and buy fissible materials 
even in 1970. Well, I guess, you know, there's black markets and such. Well, yeah, that's what I thought to myself. Like, okay, I have no problem believing. And again, this is like maybe one of the little Haney things of the book that there's, uh, there was at that time some super secret underground way to get it. But it's great to say it can be bought. But for how much money? A bunch of kids that live in a ghetto? Where did they get the money? Yeah, yeah, well, you could get, you know, spent uranium, you know, probably at a nuclear lab. Uh, one of my in, uh, incarnations in life, I worked for an agricultural research station. And they, this was a summer job. They give me this uh, nuclear truxometer, I believe was the actual word. And it had a spent uranium insert inside of it. And it was my job to take this out and measure soil moisture with it in various places i trucked around all over southern alberta with this thing you know <laughs> <laughs> my summer job so That's and you great. know i goes man if i was uh but you know you're not going to take this spent uranium and and upgrade it you know in the ba- uh-huh. in a basement lab to the point no. where it's visible i mean yeah. it might be radioactive but not to the point where you're going to be able to detonate it even with uh, even with a dynamite yeah, that's what I was thinking. They, they I, If they would have just said any other kind of bomb, I, I could have been on board with it. But when they said it was a nuclear bomb, I was just like, um, I'm not sure about that. I, I don't see that. But if they would have said any other kind of bomb, I can believe it. Like when I was a kid, we used to get old pint size cardboard iced tea cartons. And yeah. we used to shove a little wad of aluminum foil in them. And then, like, I don't know if it was like Drano or some kind of uh, cleaner or solvent. And I feel, and I feel like there was something else we would put in it, and we would or close ash. it, and we would c- close the lid on the the, the the carton top where you would drink out of. Close that, shake the living crap out of it, and run, and it would blow up. <laughs> I hate to say it, it used to blow up gopher holes with something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, a na- all- I was a nasty kid on the farm. There was there was too many too, too much time to myself. But <laughs> I should have been reading more comics. But uh, uh, I'm just trying to think where I was headed with this. Now there's a thing called that we know of, you know, since 2001 called the dirty bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually those are what they are. These aren't something that's going to explode. This is something that's just going to spread a lot of radiation in a very small areas yeah that sort of a thing but these kids are talking you know a, a city killer these kids yeah, they're are gonna talking blow clock. up gotham yeah they're gonna blow up gotham but well the, batman does uh, talk to uh tricky dick i guess and he yeah. says that he understands batman and he gives him 24 hours to solve it and if he can't uh figure it out he's gonna take direct action <laughs> okay <laughs> oh, okay okay if we believe a man can fly we believe that uh, these guys think that nuclear materials okay let's move on <laughs> mm-hmm. and then uh we got uh gordon here again and uh he's uh he doesn't want to deal with the kids at all he's like they're crazy these young hoodlums and they've declared war and batman's like listen they're not hoodlums they just you know kids with problems and you know, they have a lot of legit complaints here about, you know, where they live and how things are, how terrible life is there. So he's like, I want to, like, you know, try to figure this out. Well, of the course, co- Batman. You go ahead. The commissioner and the bats are scrapping a bit here, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They're getting right in each other's faces. And I can tell by the bold lettering that they're yelling. <laughs> yeah, Batman. That's those crazy young hoodlums of the Clare War. 
he's he's advocating for like the kids here and gordon doesn't want to even you know give them the time of day but batman you know he kind of tells him like hey you know the president basically said i have 24 hours so shut up gordon well batman then he gets on the telephone and talks to that i guess the other guy's name is mark that's one of the 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 stop people and uh he kind of says to him like hey you know we're going to try to, you know, meet some of your demands here, but like, trust me, I'll help see that they're met. And Mark says, okay, we'll go along. But I warn you, no adult tricks or double talk. And above all, no fuzz in the ghetto. You'll receive our demands tonight. And he hangs up on him. And then, you know, now as Batman takes his greatest gamble, the afternoon heat grips Gotham's sprawling ghetto. And they get pissed off at Batman because they did indeed send the fuzz into the ghetto. Billy, I'm confused. Have we just read a read a Die Hard movie? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> this is all very good. Like mm-hmm. you know, you see all of these movies where there's some kind of a terrorist action going on or a kidnapping and that sort of a thing, and mm-hmm. the hero ne- and the police never get along. No. They're always arguing about what to do. They're always arguing with the with the high commands. Yeah. So this is this is actually pretty good. You know, uh, Haney mm-hmm. has really thought this up. Yeah, he did a great job here. This is great. So Batman really gets pissed because he basically gave the kids his word that, you know, that wasn't going to happen. But again, the fuzz comes in and tear gassed and they're ready to start like, you know, fighting with these kids. And they do end up thumping on a couple of these kids and throwing them in the slammer and everything. Gordon has reneged what Batman promised. Yeah. And they're not happy about it. And let's face it, this is a real thing that happens at time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, you'll have some official come on TV and goes, we want a peaceful solution to this. And next thing you know, you see tear gas coming out and horses yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Gordon says to Batman, uh, because Batman's saying about, oh, the president okayed it. And Gordon says he meant no government force. My duty is to find that bomb any way I can. So Gordon's trying to say, even though the president said, you know, you have 24 hours, you know, he was just saying you have 24 hours before I send in like federal troops. But Gordon's like, you know, I'm the police commissioner of this city, and it's my call. So he sent the, the fuzz in there. But a bunch of the kids that got arrested and thrown into the jail cell. This is great. Batman Jim, and Gordon come in. That's great. And they start yelling at Batman. Jim's pulling turf, and he's pulling rank. And mm-hmm. him and Batman are right at it again. Yeah, the kids see Batman. It's Batman, the fink. You lied. We trusted you, big phony. And Batman, oh, no. <laughs> God, can't you just hear that from a movie? The rattling of the cages and the yelling and the screaming. And how many movies have you watched where a hero walks through a a, a, a cell block and you hear everybody yelling at them? And, you know, th- this dialogue could get a lot bluer if we had to. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. So then Batman has another conversation with Mark from the, the stop in a and phone booth, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we love the phone booths. I mean, let's face it. Before cell phones, you know, this is how you communicated with your people, and you couldn't. You in those days, you could not trace a phone booth. No, uh, uh-uh. you you could, but by the time you were you were there, they were gone. Yeah, it'd be long gone. Yeah, he says, Batman, this is Mark. You lied to us. That means our demands are going to be tough. Remember, unless they're met, the bomb goes off at midnight tomorrow. Click, Batman. Wait, please. And he says, I'm caught between these kids and the adults. I need help, special help, and fast. And uh, ent- enter the Teen Titans, right? Look at him. He's worried. His mm-hmm. mouth is open, and he's holding his head. 
<laughs> his mouth is agape. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's bent one of his small ears over. <laughs> yeah. And this uh, is a this is a terrified Batman. Yeah. He so he, he calls the Titans and uh, uh, Robin answers and says, "Hello, Batman. It's an emer- yeah, an emergency. Lucky you caught us. Caught four of us here. We'll be there in no time, with or without uniforms." And he says, two with, two without. Step on it." Yeah, Batman's Step ordering Titans. <laughs> Step on it? I'm like, wow. What happens when you order the Justice League off Wish? <laughs> and then and I we, love the, the next panel. That's great. Halt. So we've got Dick Grayson, Wally West, Donna Troy, and Lilith, my personal favorite. I miss Lilith so bad. Yeah, see, when I first started reading these comics, uh, Brave of the Bold and Older Titans, I had never heard of this character before. So I was like, who in the world is this? And uh, when I was uh, recording with the uh, Checkered Pass podcast, uh, boys, they, uh, uh, Dr. Bob, kind of let me in on who she is because I did not know her. Well, she might be the reason I like redheads. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's a a very 60s girl. Lilith never wore a costume, at least until she became Omen, just before she was ceremoniously fridged in the 90s but oh, wow. um all she ever wore was basically a go-go dress and her red hair and uh usually as skimpy of a top as she could find <laughs> well her and dick are getting chased by the fuzz and they get pulled into an alleyway by uh two of the uh members of stop and uh one says found them being hassled by fuzz but maybe they're spies and the other guy says i'll judge that chino okay rap who are you and why was the law after you? Do <laughs> you remember that 166 Batman episode? I can't tell you what it was, but it was a Joker episode where Dick Grayson goes undercover into a, some kind of a salon or something. He pretends to try to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> you know, this is kind of what Gosh. that reminds me of, you know, Dick trying to. Dick trying to play hip with the kids, you know, and he, of course he's he's going in there. Doesn't he look like a hippie with the turtleneck? Mm, you know, come yeah. on, Dick, was your ass caught missing that day or what? <laughs> he misplaced it. <laughs> but yeah, he says they were at a city hall picketing, and and he goes, "I accidentally hit a cop with my sign." And Lilla says, "We believe in your cause." And uh, Linda says, "Yeah, look at their well-fed establishment faces." What do they know about hard times? Rats, cop out parents. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Uh, I guess it's Mark says, Linda, if we're to succeed, we need everybody under 30 from any background. Call Fernando. I'm thinking, wow. So now a 29 year old is a, a stop kid. We're Dick Mason and Lilith Andrews. Yeah. Could you pick any whiter names than Grayson? <laughs> Dick Mason, Grayson. Oh, yeah. 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 Careful there, careful there, Dick. You know, like mm. though you can peel peel through your disguise there. Yes, I'm Metamorpho's brother, and this is this is this girl is Archie Andrew's sister. So <laughs> Yeah. Well then they bring in Fernando to check out their story because I guess he was there taking pictures of the picketing at City Hall, and he says they were actually there. So I guess they uh got to City Hall and did some picketing before uh the fuzz was after them. But Linda is so harsh, you know, blaming them on uh, cop-out parents. Uh, Linda, neither of these guys have parents. The, Dick's parents were killed. Lilith doesn't know her parents. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, and we're gonna find out uh, Linda's uh, story in the later issue or later yeah. in the issue too. So that kind of makes some of what she says uh, kind of interesting. But uh, they do check out that they were there. So uh, what does uh, Mark say? While the fuzz are busy rousting the whole city trying to find our bomb, we'll begin phase two. Chino, take our two recruits. We'll deliver when you deliver our demands. Be a good test of their loyalty and. Uh, they start following the guy out, but then uh, Dick has his little uh, uh, Apple Watch here to talk to Batman. Yeah, get the Apple Watch. Yeah. <laughs> I love their names yeah, they, for each other. They've got these great communicators, and now we're going to realize that, uh, okay, since you were so good about the old Dick Mason, we've got code words. Mm, yeah, he gets his Apple Watch and says, Bird Boy to Cow Man. <laughs> We've done our thing and our wow. begin- beginning thing, as ordered. Good things nobody's listening in on the ham radio. They'd never catch that. Mm, bird boy and cowl man. Yeah. And then cowl man to bird boy. Excellent. Report hourly if possible, but be careful. Over. <laughs> <laughs> and then Batman's admiring his own statue in the park, apparently. Well, this is a definitely a Dick Grayson, a 66 moment, or maybe a Legion of Superheroes moment. I don't know if you ever listen to the Legion of Substitute Heroes, but every time there's a statue of a superhero, you have to have a drink. So <laughs> here I go. Mm-hmm. <sighs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> there's your shot. <laughs> oh, and then uh, I love this, too. Uh, also, then on the Apple Watch, he calls uh, Kid Flash and uh, Wonder Girl, and he says, Bird Boy to Twinkle Toes and Bracelets. Those two I like. <laughs> Those two names I really like. Mm, that's crazy. It, Twinkle Toes is almost a better name than Kid Flash, anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not a, a lot of names would be better than Kid Flash, though. Yeah. <laughs> but they go flying out of there because he says, "Stay close." And they and are back in costume. Yeah, they are in costume, and uh, Twinkle Toes says, "Read you loud and clear, Bird Boy." Over, and uh, so they go to to back them up, and then. We see Batman. He's at City Hall fighting with the uh, the uh, air quotes adults here. And there's like a I don't know if these guys are supposed to be like the city council or who these guys are supposed to be. But Batman starts tearing them pretty good. Right. I think it's the council because they're talking about, you know, they're basically in an emergency session, I would think. So mm-hmm. that would have to be your counselors. Plus, probably, I don't know, Gordon would have to be in the room as well. And uh if they had such a thing as a, an emergency uh, protocol officer. Yeah, and you think the mayor would be there too, right? I don't see a, the mayor necessarily, or nobody says they're a mayor, but yeah, these guys say... Well, he, I think he's the bald guy with his hand in front of the window. Because, Mr. Mayor, demand martial law! Evacuate the city. And then the bald guy says, burn the ghetto, smoke out these teen terrorists. Man, this, is, ba- this is This is Twitter. Yeah, Batman. <laughs> We're having a Twitter fools. meeting here. <laughs> yeah, Batman, you fools, he yells at them. <laughs> now, how do you keep the fire from consuming the entire city, not just the ghetto? Yeah, Batman, this is madness. Only the governor can declare martial law. Evacuating the city will cause mass panic. Burn the ghetto? How do you keep the fire from consuming all of Gotham? And I'm thinking, well, Batman, he plays fire trucks around the fire. And they, they they can hose down the area and it doesn't spread, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Batman, thank God he's not at the fire marshal. <laughs> but yeah, wow, he starts tearing into these guys that are on this city council. He goes, 
Some of you are slumlords who profit from the ghetto. Okay, here's our probably zany heeny moment. Listen to me. We must be calm. Wait for their demands. Meantime, maybe the bomb will turn up. And then behind him, <laughs> boom! <laughs> and then maybe the bomb will turn up as if it's going to like turn itself in. What? There it is. <laughs> I think it's here. But, but what it actually is, basically, the uh, our kids have played Martin Luther and pinned their demands to the door, and got mm -hmm. in the in the uh, in the excitement and the smoke. Well, the one guy too says when Batman says about it, he says the bomb will turn up right before the explosion. The guy says, "No, we'll all be dead if we listen to him. Get him, get the traitor." Like they're gonna jump Batman, and that's when that bomb goes off, and uh, the demands are on the door. We this don't ever see what they are. This is Twitter. We turn on each other in, in, <laughs> in times. And boy, if we haven't seen that in all 20, since 2020, I don't know what we could. I've certainly yeah. seen it here. Yeah, and then we see uh, Dick is the one who planted the bomb. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way to go, bird boy. Yeah, almost killed his partner. Way. Here's the first cool thing you've done here. <laughs> oh, and then here comes the fuzz chasing uh, Robin, Lilith, and uh, Chino. But he needs to build his cred with stop. Mm -hmm. I like how his what his idea is. So uh, he has Wonder Girl and Kid Flash here to help him, you know, as backup and get out of this mess and stop the cops. But he doesn't want Chino to see that's what happens. So he karate chops Chino on the back of the neck to, you know, knock him out and it does knock him out. And then Flash comes in and knocks the cops over. But I like how he explains later on uh, what happened there. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, uh, Twinkle Toes and Bracelets come in and evacuate them. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, Wonder Girl picks up Lilith, Dick, and Chino, and mm -hmm. flies off with them. Yeah. And Batman, though, he's then he's there with his uh, Slumlord buddies, and he's reading off the new list, and it says, "Prosecute all Slumlords." And I'm thinking, all right, that doesn't sound too bad. Round up all known pushers. All right, got that. Is, yeah. Isn't that what Gordon and his boys are already supposed to be doing? Okay. Yeah. Clean up our garbage. Well, okay. I mean, if it's your garbage and you just threw it there, you clean it up. But if it's just trash that they're not picking up because they're not having trash men come out, yeah, pick up the trash. Stop defunding the sanitation department. <laughs> yeah. Close ghetto schools until further notice. I'm like, okay, if you can bust them to another school, I, I got no beef with that. And then release all stop prisoners prisoners no <laughs> never blackmail no compromise don't give in to those rotten kids what choice do we have and batman's arguing with twitter again he throws his hands in the air i love that pose hold it are we all blind most of these demands are things that should have been done long ago and then this all of is a sudden, your job you feckless fat morons yeah and then all of a sudden i agree absolutely right and he turns and it's uh, gordon and gordon says I admit I've been against those kids, but maybe we can deal with them, meet some of their demands, and they'll tell us where the bomb's hidden. And uh, Batman, thanks, old friend. And I was like, yeah, but just like five hours ago, you were hating Gordon because he sent the fuzz in there. Well, we're back to the 66, you know, when Commissioner Gordon is playing Robin. He's going, gee, Batman, when you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then what does it say? There's one more item. These establishment leaders be put in preventative detention to show good faith. So here's our tie into the cover, but it's just not a concentration camp with barbed wire. Uh, it's uh, 
you know, eventually they get put in a slammer, but that doesn't happen right away. They, uh, Batman uh, starts searching for the bomb, right? The mayor, the city council, Commissioner Gordon, and Batman lock them up, lock them up, lock them up. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. And then we see Batman in the sewer with a rat, of course, and he's uh, looking for the bomb. But as the sultry night grows older, <laughs> I love it. And now we're back in stop secret lair. And yeah. we've, uh, let's see, Chino's talking about how he got a concussion from somebody. I don't know how it happened. And yeah, and Dick, Dick, I love it. I, it. What, what, how? I don't know anything about that, Chino. We must have got hit from behind. Yeah, Dick. You Way tangled with the fuzz. <laughs> yeah. That turtleneck, you're building that cred, I'll tell you. Mm, but then, yeah, they have a, a more of a discussion here. And he goes, you hothead Chino, what if you've been busted? With what you know, and he goes, "Good work, you two. Now see if the city meets our demands or prefers destruction." And uh, Bird Boy uh, says, uh, "What did you find out from Chino?" And Lilla says, "He, Mark, and the genius who built it, and Linda are the only ones who know where the bomb's hidden. But who or where he is, I couldn't learn." And he goes, "Shield me while I contact the others." So he kind of like crouches down behind her to use his Apple Watch to call Batman again. And I was like, "Dude." Those stop people are like 10 feet away from you. That's probably not the best idea. I got to make a confession here. The next four panels, we've got Kid Flash searching out the bomb. And I love this when the Flashes do this. My Mm -hmm. confession is, at this point in my comics reading career, I had never heard of the Flash. But I had heard of Kid Flash first. I was like the the Mego thing. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I knew who Kid Flash was before the Flash. And Mm -hmm. I, this... These four panels always stuck out in my mind about what the Flash really does. He's the guy that can cover ground in a lot, a lot of time. And, you know, he's zipping through an old derelict and he's going up the stairs and then he's going down into a subway tunnel. And then he's doing a Ralph Norton up the uh, out of the manhole. manhole and well, look, my boy, not even a clue to the bum. <laughs> and what about bracelets there, too? It shows her at a. I don't even know where is that supposed to be like a nightclub or something like that. And she's saying have made every teen scene in town bird boy, but no hint about bomb. That's an interesting panel because you can see all these people dancing and you can see, you know, guitars and music in the background. And she's kind of huddled up behind, into this jukebox probably because she's got a, you know, she can't hear herself think in that place. Mm-hmm. And she's got to try to make this message. because So she does this by the glow of the jukebox. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting Cardi panel there. And then Batman pulling a Spider-Man here. He's jumping around the city, swinging on flagpoles. And he says, the National Guard deploying. Dawn will be here soon. And we do see a bunch of soldiers there on the ground. I love love these cities that always have flagpoles sticking out vertical. I don't (laughs) know. I live in small Canadian towns. I've never seen a flagpole sticking out vertical. Yeah, usually usually they're up and down there. They're horizontal. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, but... uh, He says to him how, you know, he needs to find out about whoever this genius is that built the bomb. And he goes, uh, he said it was a dropout. So here's where that panel from like the first page or two comes into play where they said about the dropout genius. So the Batman's like, hey, I'll go to the school and check out the school records and see who's dropped out and was a smarty pants. So he goes there and then uh, figures it out. I'm going to let you finish this page and then I'm going to tell you about who this guy is. Go ahead. Yeah, so Batman, he's like hopping down the 
from fire escapes to find this uh, kid's house. And he says, it figures, brilliant kid has to drop out, becomes bitter, turns his town to explosives. And I'm like, oh, it figures. Yeah, there's a lot of that happening. Okay, Batman. And then he says, there's the building, typical rundown hole. I'm like, uh, again, that's real nice to talk about somebody's house, a rundown hole. And he knocks on the door. And the woman says, my son, Harvey, he he's in jail. He was arrested for picketing yesterday. Batman says, in jail. Thank you, Mrs. Logan. Maybe your boy will still turn out to be a hero. And then shortly. Okay. Can I? Mm-hmm. May I? Mm-hmm. All right. Harvey Logan is this boy's name. Mm-hmm. Bob Haney's going to the cinema again. <laughs> Bob Haney has been to a movie. Probably a late showing of a 1969 film called Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> in that film, Paul Newman and Robert Redford ride back to the camp of the Wild Bunch to find out that Paul Newman's uh, uh, character, Butch Cassidy, his gang has been taken over. Uh, there's a little confusion here by a character played by Ted Cassidy. And you know, of course, you're a horror guy. You know who Ted Cassidy mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. that man's name in that movie is Harvey Logan, the guy he has the <laughs> knife fight with. <laughs> he, he's a real life character uh, that was a, a, a confederate of Butch and Sundance, a member of the Wild Bunch and the, the mm-hmm. Hole in the Wall gang and all of that. A real life outlaw who also went by the name of Kid Curry, a nasty mm. guy who killed about 11 people over his career. Wow. And of course, robbed countless banks. Um, one of the lawmen he killed was not too far away from where I live in a place called Landusky, or a man by the name of La- Pike Landusky near a town that has been named for that man in Landusky, Montana. Wow. So, yes, Bob Haney, you're either reading a lot of Old West arcane history because that's a very deep cut, or you've been to see Butch and Sundance. <laughs> I think he's been to the movies. Bulls <laughs> in a knife fight? That's the mm. guy, that's the Harvey Logan. And well, I, I have this. no doubt that he stole that name from that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt whatsoever. But what do you think of this scene here where Batman and Gordon go into the clink here to find this guy? Harvey, we know you made the bomb. Uh, Harvey, I don't know any Harvey. And, and Har- Gordon just loses it. It's bad yeah. cop, good cop. Yeah, he grabs him by the shirt, says, don't play games with us. Tell us where it is, you teenage maniac. And the guy's girlfriend says, let him alone. Can't you see? He's lost his memory. He was hurt when we were busted. And this is definitely a zany Haney moment here. Of course, the kid lost his memory because he got hit over the head. Of course, that's what happens, right? Amnesia. Oh, every time. Or then you become evil. It's a bewitched episode. What about that next panel? Batman with his hand to his head again. Oh, God, not this. Not now. And look at Gordon. He's haggard in that panel. Uh, well, they need some Excedrin at this point. <laughs> he looks in rough shape. He says, Batman, what can we, what's left to do? And he does. And Gordon looks like he's ready to crack open a bottle of, like Jack Daniels or something. Well, and Batman, he's on his last ear, too. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's had it. And that next panel... The next page, I think it's page 18 there, that top panel, Batman's on the phone. And he's saying to the mayor, Mr. Mayor, we're licked. Before the army moves in and we lose control of Gotham's destiny, I beg you, agree to stop's demands. Maybe it will end the blackmail. 
And the mayor says, Gotham owes you a lot. I guess we owe you this, too. All right, we'll do what they want. So then Batman gets on uh, television later that night and accepts their demands, right? And, you know, this is completely how one of these situations actually would play out. You know, I, I was talking to you about the October crisis. And, you know, all we had for communication in those days was two TV channels. Yeah. And uh, you seven o'clock, you waited, you know, for somebody to stand up. And one night, you know, the prime minister just sits down and calls out martial law. And, you know, they start, you start to see troops in the streets and that sort of a thing. And, um, you know, I, I'm writing the script here as we're, as I even say this uh, before I've even looked at the panels. Police are rounding up scores of drum lords, pushers and grafters. What's a grafter? And anyway, in a yeah. total dragnet, army of sanitation men are cleaning up the junk and rat infested streets. And uh, and stop members are being released, and they even have a stop sign. Not <laughs> hexagonal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And then it all of a sudden, TV says, with their cells being occupied by Gotham's hostages, including Batman himself, and all the stop people are watching TV. Yeah, we've won. We've won. Hurrah! <laughs> and then. I think it's Dick there. Isn't that supposed to be Dick where he says, let's tell him yeah. where the bomb is? Exactly. Yeah, so I have to say Dick's playing them pretty good here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to turn them, you know, into their way. So, you know, his undercover shtick is trying to work. Yeah, and they pretty much everybody agrees like, okay, yep, they gave in to our demands. You know, we, we've got to give them another chance. And Linda flips out here. No, you're all fools. They'll double cross you. You can never trust adults, never. And uh, I don't know if it's Chino or one of them says, cool down, Linda. You're in, You're out of order. And Chino and I outvote you two to one as members of Stop Central Control. I'm going to call the bomb squad. Yeah, well, this this is where the, the gang is, is fracturing. Mm-hmm. And Batman and, and Gordon have a TV in jail here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is great. And then where and, was the bomb? Uh, I love where, it. Where are they looking in the bomb? They're looking <laughs> in. Uh, now, if we were Chekhov, this would make perfect sense now, wouldn't it? Batman, of all places, the base of my statue. <laughs> Which we saw several pages earlier. Mm-hmm. It's Chekhov's Batman statue. He was right five feet away from it. <laughs> and Commissioner is, is he's going, yep, you bet. That's pretty good. You know, well. All solved. We're in page 19. We must ready to go. That crime is solved. Everything's out or back to order again. Only mm-hmm. turn the page. Mm-hmm. And that's where most writers would have ended the story, but not Bob Haney. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> On TV, they say a note and it says, uh, I, ha- I hit it where you'll never find it. Signed L. A twist. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, so this is this is the uh, this is the Jack Ruby moment. Mm-hmm. So Linda, when she got all pissed off that they were going to give in, ran out of the stop headquarters, went to the bat statue, got the bomb out of the bat statue before the bomb squad or cops or whoever showed up and hit it somewhere else because she's not giving in to their, you know, shenanigans. And. Uh, of course, uh, Twinkle Toes is back on the radio here. He goes, we tailed her on a hunch. 
well, good for you, Kid Flash and Wonder Girl. I'm glad you could keep up to her. <laughs> she's trying. She's trying to keep out of sight. <laughs> with, with your super speed and your Amazonian uh, powers, yes, yeah, you were able to keep up to Linda. You know, who's crashing through the alley here. Mm-hmm. And then they try to say for uh, Lilith to use her mystical powers to get inside Linda's mind and find out what makes her so vengeful. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's 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 cool. Because we haven't seen what Lilith does yet. Yeah, and I like we've, how we've seen we've seen Bird Boy and we've seen Twinkle Toes and Bracelets. Lilith, who hasn't got a name. <laughs> and who is that? Oh yeah, there she is. And she says, "Tall order." She's so uptight. I doubt if I can crack her wavelength. That she does. So Lilith goes into her basically psychic trance where she's trying to read Linda's mind. And uh, even though they're nowhere near Linda, they haven't got her in custody or anything. Mm-hmm. It's uh, whatever it is that Lilith does. And, you know, this is the era when everybody was talking about extrasensory perception and that sort of thing. So Lilith is is the Saturn girl of the moment here. And whatever she has done has also seems to immobilize Linda as well. She's not moving. No. Uh-uh, and this, then... this is going to take some time. So Batman might as well call Tricky Dick. Yep, might as well call him again. But yeah, it's funny. He goes, she, they go into, she kind of goes into her mind and it like plays out here on the panels and it, it shows uh, how Linda's mom had to let her go live with her aunt and uncle because uh, she basically couldn't afford to have a kid. So she said, hey, go live with your aunt and uncle. And I guess ever since then, she's, uh, you know, kind of hated her mom for doing that. So there's some extremely childhood trauma going on here. You know, mm-hmm. do we ever see, you know, we, we don't see this kind of a development in a, a straight superhero story. I mean, sure, yeah, Superboy blows Luther's hair off, that sort of a thing. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to really, you know, the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. And what drives a girl to grow up to, to do these things that we're, we're, we're doing here? Yeah, and then Chino and Mark and all the other uh, stoppers, uh, they, they you know, find uh, the Titans here and kind of say, hey, you lied to us, you're spies, this and that. And Dix does cop to it. He says, we did lie, Mark, but only in a good cause to keep you cool, keep you from destroying Gotham and innocent people. And he says, maybe Linda's right. You shouldn't trust anybody, even the teen Titans. And Dick says, no, Chino, you've got what you got what you wanted and we'll help you make Gotham city stick to its promises. But right now, Linda's double crossing everyone, you, even yourself, even herself. And a guy says, Hmm, you're right. She broke the faith. A better world comes from cooperation, not selfish individual action. And they're just like, Hey, we need to find out where her mom is. (laughs) So they're going to find her mom. What? So Mark and Chino have gotten the Titans together. We've gotten Lilith and we've caught, caught Kid Flash and Wonder Girl together and we've caught Dick with them. Mark and Chino have made Robin. Yep, they know he's one of the Titans, right? <laughs> Good thing he's Dick Mason and not Dick Grayson. <laughs> he's probably thinking he's Robin's cousin. <laughs> but Dick is playing bad cop here again. Because right mm-hmm. now Linda cro- Linda's double-crossing everyone. You. And he's sowing the seeds of discontent here. Yep. But he says, you know, we need to find her mother because that'll snap her out of this, uh, you know, craziness here, which uh, for a second, it looks like it's not right. (laughs) 
yeah, I have no mother, you know, and she's got a lifetime of hatred and she's, you know, whatever the circumstances were, you know, I, I, I believe if I read further on here is that her father died. I'm sure it mm -hmm. wasn't a teenage pregnancy or anything like that, but her father died and um, she couldn't keep him. And mm -hmm. the ghetto's hard or grownups too. Yeah, yeah. She basically says, you know, she didn't give her up because she doesn't love her. It's just that, you know, she needed to work and this and that. So she can't like really say much to her that's uh, changing her mind. But she goes, but, uh, go ahead. I'm going to wax Bob's bridge again here. Where are we meeting in a neutral territory on the middle of a bridge? There's no Titans. There's no Batman, no commissioner. It's Linda and her mother. And they're going to have this out right in the middle of the bridge. This is really good writing, and this is like a, an excellent setting. And everybody backs off and lets it play out. Yeah, and Linda's mother does say to her, like, hey, listen, you know, yeah, I did have your aunt and uncle raise you. But when I could, I came for you, but you ran away. I've been searching for you for years. So, you know, she tried to, you know, stay with and reconnect and things like that. But uh, Linda says, you don't want me now. You just want to know where the bomb is. You're like all grownups, phony. And her mom says, if if you feel that way, there's nothing left to say. Maybe this city, you, none of us are worth saving. And then let's that, face it, there are no not, good answers or right answers at this moment. Yeah. All you well, gotta do is let the tears play out. But that actually snapped Linda out of it and she says, No, never say that, mother. I I love you. And they embrace and there's a Batman watching the whole scene from uh, the side of the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of sitting there letting it play. Like a creep. <laughs> yeah, well, he doesn't sneak in and, you know, and grab one of them and swing away or, or you know, mm. throw a right cross into Linda's teeth or anything like you might see in a Batman book today. Mm. They, they yeah. Let, well, he lets it play out. Yeah, and he does say, Linda, where is the bomb? And she says, yes, I'll tell you. And she tells him, and it's somewhere in, uh, was like in a big giant, what do they say? It says not long after. And it shows a helicopter picking up this, gigantic looking box that says don't okay litter. this one baffled me billy yeah it says don't litter gotham if streets. you're going to have the surprise show up wouldn't you have alluded to this i went back and forth through this issue and i could not see a dumpster with this on there i mean there was that no. one panel where they were dozing up the garbage but that that wasn't there this just kind of has come out of the pink yeah it's really wild and uh, Gordon says the bombs in that we'd never have looked there. These kids, ha ha. And Batman says it'll be flown out to sea and disarmed by experts. Oh, come on, Adam West, Batman. That's not how you do this. You get in that helicopter and you fly it out to sea and you detonate it. And then it kinda, you meet Selena Kyle in Paris and Alfred sees you. That's that, and that <laughs> helicopter. That's like you atomic bomb, Batman. That helicopter does kind of look like a version of a, a bat copter at some point, doesn't it? It's a From pontoon maybe... copter kind of thing. It's not drawn. Land in water. Really. Well, yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. And Gordon says, I aged 10 years since yesterday. And I thought, yeah, you looked at it in that one panel. But the city saved. Thanks to you and the Titans, you never lost faith, Batman. And Batman says, I almost did several times. But now we must make sure we build a better city and world so these kids never lose faith again. Ever. And again, that's Haney trying to, you know, and not Bat not be crazy and write something like, you know, good. And Batman and Gordon walk into the sun, right into the sunset, and together. go, "You must be the start of a beautiful relationship." 
<laughs> the end. <laughs> okay, that's all my movie references I have. <laughs> that's wild, though. Like I said, this is not... If you would tell somebody about this story, it, they would... I would that they would not guess this was a Haney written story in like a hundred years. Cause it's just not a typical Haney story. The man had the chops. He mm-hmm. had the chops only. I think he just, sometimes he took shortcuts, you know, he'd write himself into corner and he probably could have got himself out if he thought about it, but he'd say, ah, oh, rent's due tomorrow. Let's do something else. Let's just do something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was good art by Cardi too. Like you said, I, I'm more familiar with the Aparo era of this title, and I'm a huge, huge Jim Aparo fan. He's my favorite DC artist. And so, uh, but Cardi did a good job here. I liked it. You know what I mean? It was it was pretty good artwork all throughout. I like this Batman. Now, can you imagine if the writers of Dark Knight, what's the last uh, Bale movie? Uh, Dark oh, Knight uh, Rises. Dark Knight Rises, yeah. If the writers of Dark Knight Rises had read this, that might have been a better movie. Oh, probably. Bruce Wayne wouldn't have spent an hour in a well. <laughs> yep. He'd have been better off in a, a cell at the police station. <laughs> He'd have come out and negotiated. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have let the supporting cast, you know, like run the whole course of the film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a and good one. He would have let the police take the atomic bomb out over the ocean. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not going to do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Next time they need to consult the comics, not their own ideas, right? Yeah. <laughs> consult well, all we know is a, a lot of trout about 30, 30 miles out outside of Gotham are not going to have a good evening right now. So, no, they're, they're in big trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's that's gonna it's gonna wrap this up, man. Is there anything else you have to say about this one? No, uh, I like I said, I uh, I hate to say this, I, I bought this comic fifty two years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't have the original floppy that I had, but it has been reprinted a number of times. Um, I've got it here in a uh, couple of showcases uh in black and white uh the brave and the bold volume two and teen titans volume two so they they got it into both volumes of that um do you know of any omnibuy for lack of a better word that it might be in yeah they definitely it's definitely in the the omnibus edition uh volume one uh that hardcover and i have actually two and three of the hardcovers but then all the material that is in the hardcover you know omnibus volume one previously had been printed in uh two paperback editions uh, of volume one and two batman it's called the bronze age batman the brave and the bold and oh yeah i see I'm that reading. now yeah yeah and that's where i'm reading it from and it's great yeah i love those books because i was going to try to get that volume one of the omnibus and i thought well wait a minute i already have half of that with one of my trades so i found the other volume for like i don't know maybe 15 bucks or 20 bucks at the most or something like that and so i thought well it's not a big deal if i have two soft covers that equal exactly what's in that one hardcover so yeah that's how i'm reading them well if i bought that omnibus i think the people that helped me take my book collection this summer in a 35 foot livestock trailer would probably hang me (laughs) shoot you (laughs) so there will probably be no omnibuy in my basement for a little while (laughs) (laughs) i think it's also on the app too i think uh, the dc app also has it so you can read it there too 
don't think in Canada we have access to that app unless I do nefarious things. So. Oh, yeah. I did. A couple of people said to me that in certain countries it's still not available. And then I know one fellow uh, uses a VPN. So then he can get I've it. I thought about that, but I just don't <laughs> even have, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't even know if I have the time to go do that anymore. But, you know, it's there. And mm-hmm. uh, there are another nefarious means to find these things, too. So, we'll oh, yes. We'll <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Talking about atomic bombs or the dark web. So, <laughs> so all right. Well, yeah, that's going to wrap us up here, man. So, uh, so all right. Well, uh, like we just said, you know, you're recently back in the saddle here. So uh, why don't you talk about your show? Well, Prairie Justice, uh, Greg Saunders podcast basically takes chronologically the appearances. And when I say chronologically, I'm using the continuity chronological. So uh, all the Roy Thomas All-Star Squadron appearances, as few as they are, count. Or any team-up appearances where Vigilante appears in the 1940s count, as does the, uh, the 1947 serial. So I'm going through them. I'm into late 1942 now. So I've been at uh, I've been at this podcast about two years, and I've gotten about a year in actual time. Uh, but I also do the Seven Soldiers of Victory appearances as well in leading comics, and I'm about a third of the way through that now. So uh, I'd be looking forward to to getting done that probably within cool. the next couple of years. And so I'm just looking through all of. Uh, Greg Saunders' appearances through Action Comics from 1941 right through to the end in 1954. And then I'll take up into the 1970s with his uh, uh, few Renaissance appearances there, including a team-up appearance with Superman in World's Finest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a couple of those. They're cool. Yeah, and, and of course you and I talked about one of the World's Finest uh, Dollar Comics appearances and and uh, I don't know if you've been able to get those Gray Morrow issues yet, but uh, they'd be fun to go through. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think I was able to find one of other of the world's finest ones, but they're those suckers, man. They're getting hard to find, especially out in the wild. Yeah, I would imagine. Yes. Well, it's even more wild here, so <laughs> there's not a lot of used <laughs> comic shops here in Pincher Creek, Alberta. So, <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, man. You know so that it's you're... it's kind of funny when I bought this comic in Tabor, Alberta. Tabor at that time was a town of about five thousand, and every now and then, when I'm having trouble go to sleep, I count how many stores had comics in that town, that little dusty farm town. There were ten outlets you could buy comics in that town. I go back to that town now. Wow. It has doubled and it's maybe 12,000 now. Guess how many outlets? Zippo. Not even the wall. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, not good, huh? Yeah, well, this is where the comics industry is going to hang itself. And uh, I know that they can't run it all on 60-year-old people anymore. But uh, they have done far little to get in the 12-year-olds. I mean, let's face it. I told you that I bought this Brave and the Bold comic with the change my dad gave me to buy a Lethbridge Herald. You know, um, who can walk, what kid can walk in with change out of his pocket, you know, that's seven years old and buy a a $9 comic now? Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's just not feasible, really. 
No, and uh, you know, I I realize it's all gone into the media, you know, other media or movies and our television. But uh, mm-hmm. as we're seeing with the uh, with the Star Girl uh, series, and we're seeing with the the whole CW, you know, that might have a that might have a half life pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I I think you know there is a market. They just need to try to get out there and get it and do a better job of trying to get it. Yeah, so I hope the comics industry doesn't collapse before the comics industry in movies does. Yeah, that would be a shame, wouldn't it? It sure would. So, and for the time being, people can find you out there on Twitter yet, correct? Uh, for the time being, until that <laughs> other feller that bought the spread um, shows me the gate. Well, I'll be there at Tolton Gord. And I do have a Facebook page under Prairie Justice, the Greg Sanders Vigilante Podcast. Hmm. So, and of yeah, course, so. I'm on Apple and Google and all those good places where you find podcasts. Yeah, so anybody that's looking for you, yeah, definitely get out there and find you on the social medias. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, definitely go to all the reputable podcasting apps and uh, check out uh, Prairie Justice as well. Even go to the disreputable ones. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, we're... <laughs> However you get those downloads, man, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll yeah, don't keep you. it away from you squares, you parents, or I'm going to send the fuzz on you. <laughs> yeah, or we're going to build a nuke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for joining me, man. This was a blast. I'm, I'm glad you're uh, back after your move and, uh, you know, able to podcast again and able to guest again, uh, you know, so hopefully you and I can uh, sit down and talk either more Brave and the Bold or maybe a World's Finest or something down the down the pike here. Anything you got. Awesome. Awesome. Well, all right, my friend, I'm going to uh, wrap it up here and then uh, that's going to take us out. So, like I said, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, sir.